You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Yeah, that corner three is a, a big shot for him. I think it's uh, you know it's an effective weapon for him. You know, with his speed and, and explosiveness, we know he can get to the rim and, and score. But if he can you know space the court and hit that that corner three, that's a big deal. And I thought that was a, a big swing in the game when he when he made those uh, three or four in a row. Now back to Warriors this week on ninety five seven the game. Into hour number two, John Dickinson and Whitey Gleason. Steve Kerr there on Jonathan Kaminga. Big night for Kaminga offensively. Big night for Kaminga with the three ball in the Warriors' 129-117 victory over the Toronto Raptors last night. Warriors end up 2-1 and one on the homestand. Next three on the road. And the Warriors now 25-24 and 24 and back to seventh in the jumbled up Western Conference playoff race. Uh, 888-957-9570. That's the phone number to give us a call or shoot us a text. More phone calls in just a second. We're also, Whitey, addressing the reporting from The Athletic of Anthony Slater. It was Marcus Thompson. I believe I said Shams earlier, but uh, Anthony Slater, Marcus Thompson, and Sam Amick all contributing to some of the reporting from earlier in the week about Bob Myers and, and the potential for his departure, which continues to be an ongoing story. So we'll, we'll keep uh, getting into that. And the trade deadline now just a couple of weeks away as the Warriors try and figure out whether they need to add and how they would add uh, at, at the deadline, Whitey. Yeah, and I have a trivia question for you before we get any further, if Ooh, I may. Okay. What multiple-time NBA champion, okay, multiple one, multiple championships was ejected from his son's high school basketball game last night for saying, you suck, to the referees. I missed this. Yeah, this is a seven-time NBA champ ejected from his son's basketball game. And when I first saw that, I thought, oh, is it like fourth grade or something? No, his son is is a a junior in high school, and he's a really good player. You want me to tell you? Robert Ory? Robert Ory is correct. Boom! Wow. Big shot, Bob. Yeah, his son is a star guard at Harvard Westlake. They're playing St. Francis last night, and 52 year old Robert Ory screaming at the official, You suck! And they said, You are out of here, sir. <laughs> <laughs> big that's shot, Bob. Bye bye, big shot, Bob. Yeah. That's that's pretty good. That's that's pretty good. We don't know uh, if he was. Now, he, may, he might have been right. We don't know, but he was ejected from the game. Uh, they just they just don't let you chirp like they used to at those high school games. <laughs> they just don't let you go at it like you used to at the at the high school games. Uh, let, let's get back to the phones, Whitey. Eight 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 nine five seven nine five seven zero. Austin in San Jose is up first here in hour number two. What's going on, Austin? Austin, what's going on, fellas? What's hey. happening? Happy Saturday. Good game tomorrow. Have fun in Philly. That's my hot. That's my town. I went to for four years. So uh, go check out a Penn game or a Villanova game while you're there, JD, if you can. Um, Hey, listen, uh, Thank you. Bob Myers, uh, I have a little different take on Bob Myers. Uh, been a great GM, questioned some of his draft picks, but uh, I think the best way to increase your value, of course, in any situation is to have other people want you. So I think there's part of that's 
maybe his guy's putting it out there that all these other teams want him. Maybe it's true, but, you know, he becomes more valuable if he has more interest. So I think that's part of it. The other thing about Bob is I'm actually on the other side. I'd like to think that we could have another set of eyes. I don't think it would be a bad idea for the Warriors to have a new GM, frankly, to have a new set of eyes on the, on what the situation is and maybe willing to make some moves that I don't think Bob Myers is willing to make necessarily. Um, Kaminga, J.K., that's my guy. You know that. Uh, future star of the Warriors. Um, I think he is the guy who will be the star. Forget Weissman, forget Booty, those guys. It's J.K. He'll, he'll be a guy. I, I see Kawhi Leonard type. I, I see a Kawhi Leonard type guy that could be developed, so I'm all in on J.K. And, uh, hey, guys, great Saturday. I'll keep listening. Thanks. All right, appreciate the call. I mean, the the thing that I continue to, to, to look at as far as Bob Myers goes, and I think, you know, we'll see how it shakes out. I think Austin brings up a, a, a good point about negotiations, and, and you laid this out at the end of the, the first hour. But I also wonder, and I think this is kind of the question I, I think we should pose to, to the Warrior fans, is what's your confidence level in the Warriors front office if Bob Myers isn't around? Because, because you know, how much would that change things? Because among the things that were mentioned in the athletic piece is the fact that it would be quote unsettling to Curry, uh, who has a desire to win now, number one, and then the close relationships with Steve Kerr and Draymond Green to, to Bob Myers. And, of course, Steve Kerr has another year on his deal. Who knows what's going to happen with Draymond. And maybe part of this whole thing and why it's at the point that it's at, Whitey, is the fact that, that Bob Myers knows that, as as Draymond said, the writing's on the wall, and, and, and maybe this organization is going to look dramatically different a year from now, and, and everybody just kind of knows it in, in its own way. Austin made a great point, but both things can be true. I don't pretend to know exactly what's true, but he's right. Uh, Bob Myers understands how to create uh, more demand and how to create more leverage, I should say. And when it's out there publicly that these guys are interested, those guys are interested, that creates leverage. But it's also possibly true that other teams, I, I don't have a hard time imagining that some of those other teams would be very interested. So in that case, yeah, I, part of it's negotiations – and tactics and part of it is is probably true. I think you're right. That would be the most dangerous aspect of it from the Warriors' standpoint. Is wait a minute, the relationship that uh, that Bob has with some of the players. Now, if you know, if you're looking at it from Joe Lacob's point of view, and you're saying, oh, I don't know if Draymond's going to be around anyway. So, what does the relationship that he has with Bob Myers matter? Maybe that's part of it as well. It'd probably be someone. I know I've been guilty in the past, JD, of looking at this and saying, Oh man, Kirk Lacob. Uh, the son's the, the owner's son is going to be the GM. It'd probably be more likely someone like Dunleavy or something like that, right? So I think the Warriors would still have a very capable person, but Bob Myers, there's so much equity, and he, I don't think we can assume that some of the trap picks that haven't worked out have necessarily been all his. I think it'd be a loss for the Warriors. If they lose him, they'll have some very capable people, but the Warriors right now, they're trying to keep things going forward. They can't afford to take steps back as you're trying to maximize everything you can with this championship window. And I think uh, losing him would definitely be a blow to their efforts to do that. Yeah, I, I think when you look at the fact that, and again, we don't know the answer to this question, but I think you could make the case, Whitey, that maybe maybe the draft picks are the draft picks, and Bob Myers would be more aggressive because he feels more tied to, to Steph 
and more tied to Draymond and more tied to Steve Kerr, and, and he isn't being allowed to really dramatically make those kinds of moves. Again, I don't I don't want to say we know that any any way that we, we know the other. I know Joe Lacob did make the point on Tim Kawakami's podcast as we uh, have mentioned a few times about Wiseman and the fact that everybody wanted Wiseman and, and that, the, you know, Wiseman wasn't just his pet pick. Uh, going back to to number two, I don't. I think, and rightfully so, I can understand where Joe Lacob would not want to be, you know, viewed as as he really is. I think for a good chunk of the fan base, as well, that's well, Lacob, that Wiseman's Lacob's guy, and and we don't know who else liked him or didn't like him, but that's his guy. So the so the the failure, if it winds up being a failure, I don't think we. It, 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 I think to this point, it. it I, I, I don't know. Is failure too strong? I think to this point, I mean, it, it's been disappointing, James Wiseman's tenure, and it looks like it's not going to be turned around at least between now and the end of this season. But, you know, he, he definitely wanted to get out from under, you know, that being his pick and, and, and the notion that that nobody else right. was in line with it. Right. You know, it's funny how these things work out and how expectations have so much to do with with our perception. My point is James Wiseman, number two pick. And that's the first thing, you know, we think of James Wiseman. He was the number two pick. James Wiseman was a number two pick. You go back to the last guy, I think, who was a number two pick in the draft that underperformed. And I think it's probably Marvin Bagley, right? When you say the last number two pick before Wiseman. Now that was not working out. Sacramento actually ended up doing pretty well with that. They ended up trading him for Trey Lyles. Now I don't know that they're going to be able to trade Wiseman. Now I'm just saying you never know how these things are going to work out. Uh, the Kings could have had uh, Luca. They took Bagley, and it's like, oh, that was a bad pick. There were other players they could have taken. Ultimately, they got a guy back who's useful to them. So we got a long ways to go. It sounds like to me they're going to stick with Wiseman for a while longer, give him a chance to develop, even if this year he's not necessarily part of the rotation. So it's it is far too early. Even though I've said I would trade him now if I could, I don't think they're gonna. And it's, it is to your point. It's far too early to say it, the pick was a failure or that he's a bust. Eight 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 nine five seven ninety five seventy. Let's go to Mitch next here on Warriors this week. What's going on, Mitch? How's it going, guys? Hey, Mitch. Good. Hello. Hello. Yeah. Hello? What's going on, Mitch? Yeah. Hello. All right. Thanks for taking my call. Hey, I think Kaminga has to get more playing time. I think he should be in the starting lineup. You guys want a championship without Wiseman being available? You should just cut ties. See what you can get for him. And you say, look, look at the trade deadline. I think you guys, uh, you don't have enough uh, playing time for, for your good bench. Or you want to add another player? That's the way I look at it. Thanks for taking my call. Well, that that's the conundrum. The last part is the conundrum. As, as and I think it plays into last night it, in particular because I'm I'm looking at the Warriors with Wiggins available, which he was not last night, and I'm looking at the way Steve Kerr deployed Kaminga and DiVincenzo and Poole and ended up finishing the game with DiVincenzo. And and I just I, I had the thought, Whitey. Uh, do, does this team have eight already? And and I think you could make the case they do have eight already. I think nine, ten, that's where it gets a little bit more eh, iffy. Yeah. Although although Jamichael Green, the last three, looks like he has, you know, if he could play like that over a lengthy stretch, maybe he does become the ninth because he can do some of the things Otto Porter did, you know, for, for this team a, a year ago. Not really even closely to the extent that Otto Porter did or, or is consistently, but but somewhat similar. Am I crazy to think that, okay, this team right now, the way they've played, winning three or four, hey, if if you, they can ever get Wiggins healthy, 
I mean, that's a big boost. You feel a lot better about this team, the way they've been playing of late without him. I mean, when he's that's playing crazy. well, he's a, <laughs> is that crazy? He's a huge piece of what you do. I mentioned defensively, you know, he's so good last year in the playoffs and he played with such force in the postseason. I mean, just adding him to me again, and I've been the one saying since opening day practically, you know, they're going to have to add somebody. But if you get Wiggins back to this team that's playing as well as they are, I I, th- I don't think the Warriors are feeling a, a sense of urgency to make a deal at all right now. The flip side to that, though, is you gotta you gotta win some games, and and I know they've won three out of four, but but it seems like the Warriors have only won three out of four, and I I don't want to go too far down the path that I went down after the Boston game, where I was pretty hard on not not the fact that the Warriors lost that game, I, I but you, you can't be telling me that. You know, hey, good law. You can't have good losses. I agree. I'm with when you. your when your record is under 500 and you're not winning other games. And so I I still feel a little bit that way. Like you can say, hey, good loss, good effort, all of that. If your record is is sturdy, you know, you can rest players. I agree. And and turn you know games into developmental games when when you have a cushion separating yourself from 500 on the positive side. And so I I, I get the optimism. And I think everybody's kind of waiting for the Warriors to to go eight and two again, or go ten and four, and and all of a sudden you look up and oh, they are a game out of third, or they are in fourth because that you know five game winning streak might be all it takes at this point for any one of these teams to get in that position. But they also have been unable to do that at any point this season, Whitey. So I know until they until they do, I, I you know I can see it. But I'm also not giving them the full-blown benefit of the doubt as I would give them if their record was already a little bit better. Yeah. Well, as far as the deadline, which is what the Thursday, February 9th, I know Mitch had suggested, you know, Wiseman's time to move off of him. There's no way that they're going to just move off of him. There's no way the Warriors are going into this deadline thinking, oh, we got to get whatever we can for Wiseman. I mean – Financial considerations aside, there's no way that's that's that they're they're not about to, uh, to do that. I think as we look at the rotation, which you've mentioned many times, the really significant thing to me about last night and the rotation was, and we've talked about it, but you know Jordan Poole wasn't on the floor at the end of the game. DiVincenzo was, and given what happened at the end of the previous game, and given what has happened at the end of a number of games this year, where Jordan Poole has made some questionable decisions, I think that's really fascinating and definitely something to keep an eye on going forward and to me it's very clear that Steve Kerr right now anyway at the end of a game has a lot more faith in a guy like DiVincenzo if he's playing well than he does in Jordan Poole well it's the defense I mean it 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 really is it it's the defense and it's the stability I mean when the Warriors have have played poorly down the stretch it's been defensively often has been the reason why uh, it, when they've lost some of these games or they've blown some of these leads, there have just been some some really bad defensive breakdowns. So I think having DiVincenzo be another option is you know has been has been beneficial to, to to this point. And I think the finishing lineup is something that can change on a night in night out basis. I mean that's that's somewhat why you have different players that that all have different skill sets to where. 
you can plug them in, and they all can play with the the, the core four. Let's say if you if you put Wiggins in that in that category, whether it's Looney or Poole or or even DiVincenzo or hell maybe even Kaminga. I mean, there were people calling for Kaminga to finish the game last night. Now he did when Kevon Looney fouled out, but if if Kevon Looney doesn't foul out, I don't think Kaminga was going to play at the end of that game. And the Warriors were were okay for it, even though he gave him a, a big time boost. Uh, in the in you know overall and especially in that third quarter with the with the ability to knock down the three ball. But don't you think Jordan Poole right now is a really interesting snapshot of where the Warriors are? He's so crucial to what they're doing. They don't win a lot of the games they've won this year without him. No question. They do not win the number of games they've won this year without Jordan Poole. That is a given. At the same time, we know that there's been frustration with him and some of the decisions he's made. And they won the Memphis game, and he had the lay-in on the nice inbounds by DiVincenzo. So that covered up some of the stink of it. But Steph Curry lost his mind because Jordan Poole took a 30-footer instead of throwing it back out when they had a reset. And I think that maybe Steve Kerr had decided, you know, that's, that's, that's it. We just can't have that. So it's interesting to me that the Warriors are relying so much on this young player. They've invested so much in him. But there are so many times when he does what I would say are un-Warrior-like things. And that says a lot about the, the really complicated situation they're in now as they're trying to start playing Warrior-style basketball and get more traction going forward, take care of the ball at the end of games, play defense at the end of the games. And too often, Jordan Poole has not done those things. And I know he's young, but he's in his fourth year. He's not a rookie. He's not a second-year player. So I don't know what the answer is. Maybe last night gave us a glimpse into what the answer is going to be at times for Steve Kerr, but it's a really interesting situation. We need this guy, but too often, you mentioned the Boston game where you had Wiggins telling him, you got to guard Jalen Brown, guard Jalen Brown. And he's like, and, and Poole looked at it, it's like, no, I better go help on Marcus Smart. And who made the three that forced the overtime? Jalen Brown, because no one was guarding him. Jordan Poole has done that time and time again. And I think Steph throwing his mouthpiece really spoke to how frustrated some of the Warriors are with that right now. Yeah, and, and I think it also speaks to the disconnect that has still been there between the championship core players and and the younger players. And Poole is the bridge to the two generations I think, but if if he is someone that hasn't consistently gotten it, and and this is a unique year for him, but if he if he can't, I think it does set a tone that makes it more difficult for the other young players to to maybe not get it. And we're seeing Kaminga have him take longer to get it. I mean, Kaminga Kaminga was out of the rotation multiple times. I mean, remember at the beginning of the at the beginning of the. Uh, season, it was, oh, Kaminga's in, and then every two or three games, Steve Kerr would just not play him, hardly at all, and everybody would be, why, why, why? And it's because he wasn't playing well. He wasn't doing the things that he has done here over the course of the last month. It's been a struggle for him to fit. Moody and Wiseman, even more so, have have not been able to to be a, a factor and Poole is kind of the bridge where he's such a talented offensive player. He's a little bit older and more experienced to where they, they need what he provides. So he gets more leeway. Uh, but I, I, but that's out of, I, I think, sheer necessity. I, I'll say this. I wouldn't be surprised if Jordan Poole wasn't on the Warriors next year. Hmm. Like as we, as we look at, and I, and I said this at the time when they signed him to the contract extension, and, and look, they, they can't trade him now because he's still – a a four million dollar player and not a thirty million dollar player, but 
when you look at options, if you believe that somebody has to not be around, you know, he would be considered one of those options. And, and you know, Draymond gets thrown out there, Wiseman, you know, one of the expensive, you know, more expensive options. Well, Jordan Poole's about to become one of the more expensive options, and he's also the kind of player that I I could see wanting to be a starter. Uh, and I think it's interesting that the Warriors have gone to the the smaller lineup again. That was another thing that Steve Kerr has done, you know, trying to get a little bit more spacing. But I think some of that was to try and free up Jordan Poole to play a little bit better early in the game, to maybe have more confidence throughout the game or not feel like he has to do so much when he's out there with the bench group and in trying to, to kind of do it all offensively. So there, there are a lot of different things going on behind the scenes right now with this Warriors team to where on the one hand you can look at it optimistically given what they've done in the past and say hey this team's in good shape they can make a run they can win another title but then at the same time Whitey there's also you know kind of this what's going on with Jordan Poole and Steph got kicked out of the game because he was so ticked off at Poole yeah and you go back to Draymond Draymond was so mad at Poole doesn't make it right, was so mad at Poole that he hit him mm-hmm. at a practice. Mm-hmm. And, and and so, you know, that and, and the cloak of Bob Myers and and the confidence level in the Warriors front office if Bob Myers isn't around and how that plays into to win now versus hit the pause button and try to develop versus all those relationships between Bob and Steve Kerr, who's the head coach of this dynastic squad, and then the relationship with Draymond. So there's all these different things that are all tied together right now, and push is going to come to shove, but uh, you know, it just makes it so unique. I, I think this is in some ways more like a 2019, the 18-19 season where the Warriors were good enough to win it with Durant, but there was also the cloak of you know, Durant and Draymond, and would Durant be You're around? Right. And all of that, it, it feels tumultuous coming off of a championship in a, in a similar yet different way, Whitey. Yes. I know some people are going to wonder about Jordan Poole and the trade deadline, and you're right. And just to clarify that, I heard somebody today on you know, serious, NBA Serious saying, oh, they, you know, they should trade Poole at the deadline. And you, you can, but it's really difficult because, uh, long story short, if you, you, know, you have to have salaries match. And if you were to trade him now, his outgoing salary would be what you're paying him now. But for the team that traded for him, the salary they're taking on would be his future salary. So to get that to right. match up, it's really difficult for somebody. Somebody's going to have to bite the bullet. So that's almost certainly not going to happen. Um, but, yeah, just distilling what you said down to its essence. And I'm overstating this here or there, but I do think there's a lot of truth to this. This year, the Warriors, you can look at it and go, you know what? It's so jumbled in the West. They have a shot. Here we are. It's almost February. They have a shot at another championship. That's remarkable. Everyone deserves credit for that. But beyond next year, you may have to make a choice, basically, between Jordan Poole, young, erratic, a lot of talent, doesn't necessarily do things the Warrior way, or Draymond Green, who's been one of your foundational pieces, but he's getting older so, admit, you know, and I know the salaries don't match, so it's not necessarily him or him. But that's one of the things I have to look at in the offseason, which, to your point again, speaks to what a challenging time this is going to be for Joe Lacob and Bob Myers or whoever the GM is when they have to make those decisions early uh, next summer. He's Whitey Gleason. 
I'm John Dickinson. It's Warriors this week. We're halfway through here on a Saturday. I am in Philadelphia, 49ers and the Eagles tomorrow. So we've got you covered uh, here on 95.7 The Game uh, all throughout the day tomorrow as that's going to be a, a big one with the Niners trying to get back to the Super Bowl. So I want to make sure to let everybody know we're locked in on that. But uh, we've got more phone calls, more text messages, and more Warriors. This-, this episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or... I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This week with J.D. and Whitey here, rolling on on a Saturday morning and on into the afternoon here on 95.7 The Game. We just need wins in general. However we can get them. So it's just the next one up. You got to figure out a way to win. And been kind of teetering on either side of 500 for a very long time. Kind of sick of it at this point. Got to figure out how to, you know, move and keep moving in the right direction and uh, stack wins no matter how we can get them. Now back to Warriors This Week on 95.7 The Game. All right, halfway through here on a Saturday, Steph Curry there, John Dickinson and Whitey Gleason here, 888-957-9570. Steph Curry talking about stacking wins, which is something the Warriors really have not done at any point this season. I'm, I'm trying to find the Warriors' best stretch, ten that 10-4 and four stretch after they were 3-7 and seven to get to 13-11, and 11, which is still the, the high watermark for the Warriors this season. Two games over 500 is the best the Warriors have been at, at any point. Uh, Oklahoma City on Monday, Minnesota on Wednesday, and then Denver on Thursday, third game in four nights, and, and that will end up being, uh, what, the fourth game in six nights, I guess, for the, the Warriors uh, as, it, as it 
you know, I guess fourth and seven if you count last night. So, uh, but that has the potential to be a game that the Warriors in the past have chosen to be a, a developmental kind of a game. How, how, what's your confidence level right now, Whitey, in the Warriors' ability to stack wins, as Steph alluded to? Hmm. Well, it's tough when, when, as you say, they they tend to rest guys uh, on the second night of a back-to-back. I think the first two games of this road trip, you talked about how important they are, uh, at OKC, at Minnesota. I think those are definitely gettable. And, you know, any win on the road right now for the Warriors against even a halfway decent team is uh, a real accomplishment. So I, I think they have a really good chance here to do that, partly because of what Steve Kerr said last night, this kind of, I raised an eyebrow when I when I heard this, but Steve Kerr said Steph had his pop back last night, and I and Steph was asked about it. He said, "Yeah, that's been going on for a few games now. We know he's coming off of the shoulder uh, subluxation, but I think what Coach Kerr was talking about was just Steph was he was so active without the ball. You know, he's so hard to guard when he's running all over the place and repositioning. There was, I think, also last night." Uh, we saw more of Steph Curry attacking the basket because they knew how the Grizz, excuse me how the Raptors were playing and overplaying and top locking uh, on the perimeter. So given that Steph is playing so well and the team seems to have found a little something something last night, fourth quarter defense was pretty good. I like their chances here to stack at least a couple of wins here at the start of this road trip. Yeah, and if if they can, uh, you know, they can vault their way up in the in the Western oh, yeah. Conference very very quickly. And and you know, if they can do that and and remain relatively healthy over the last two and a half months here, uh, you know, the three and the four seed is very much on the table. And it it doesn't to me matter how many wins it takes to get that four seed for for the Warriors with their pedigree and everything else. If 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 you only need forty five to be the four, or you only need 46 to be the the three this year which it looks like that may be the case then it's certainly attainable and at, at that point if you're the three and you win 45 and you're the Warriors you may as well won 55 or 60 at that point because you know things are going to change in terms of the Warriors ability to lock in among the championship core players in in the playoffs and don't you agree JD when you look at two through six the teams ahead of the Warriors Denver I think is really good and and you know, I, I think they're the odds-on favorite to win the conference. We'll see. But Denver is pretty solid. Two through six, though, the teams ahead of the Warriors, Grizzlies, Kings, Pelicans, Clippers, Mavs, to me, they're all gettable. I mean, if I'm the Warriors, I don't look at any of those teams and go, oh, we'll never catch those guys. No, I, I think, I, I mean, well, catch, wait, I'm trying to make, like, I don't think the Warriors can catch Denver. No, no, no. I put them. Or, or I, Memphis. Yeah. Grizzlies, though, the way they're playing, they're, they're not playing well right now. Yeah. Uh, no, yeah. yeah. Five in a row. Sure. Yeah. I just think the Warriors, you look, it, it really looks like they have a golden opportunity to make uh, some, some advancement here, make some headway in the Western Conference standings. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I think all of those teams, I, I think all of those teams believe that they can be the three seed. I, I, I guess is it's kind of what you're like to me the Clippers, Mavs, and and Suns. You know, and I know the Suns lost to Dallas after Dallas lost Luca the other night, but the Suns have been playing a lot better and they're starting to get healthier. Other than Booker, and I know they've got decisions to make at the trade deadline. What are they going to do? Chris Paul's future. When is Booker going to be back? He was originally reported to be back right around the All Star break, so we'll see if that's still in line. But I, yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I think all those teams believe that they have the ability to push their way into the 
into the conversation for those those three, four, five spots in the conference. Let's get to Coach in Vallejo uh, at 888-957-9570. What's going on, Coach? Coach? Hey, good morning, J.D. Whitey, how you doing? Good. What's up? Good. You know, well. uh, I've been listening to you. Know, I love your show. But I want to talk about Steph. And, you know, most NBA games are won or lost in the last three or four minutes of the game. And Steph likes to be in control of that of the ball at that time. And when you got a Jordan Poole out there or versus a DiVincenzo or, or, or a Ty Jerome, they're looking to get the ball to Steph unless Steph makes a decision where Jordan Poole is the type that's looking to make a play. Okay, so uh, I think it doesn't work real well or sits real well with Steph if he's in the game at the end of the game with Jordan Poole because Poole is just that type of player, not to knock him. However, I think the team plays much better, and I think it's been proven that when Looney is on the court versus Jordan Poole at the start of the game, that some players uh, make the team play better. Looney is one of those guys. They played better when Peyton was on the floor. They seem to play better when Kaminga's on the floor. So uh, Warrior basketball is to move the ball around, okay? And instead of one person trying to make the play, Jordan doesn't seem to want to make the hockey pass, the pass that leads to the pass that leads to the bucket. And I think that uh, uh, DiVincenzo, he understands that concept. So I think he fits more in what the Warriors like to do, uh, especially at the end of the games versus Jordan Poole. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think we, we are seeing a little bit of a of a shift from where things were and, and you know, you go back, Whitey, to April and when the Warriors got everybody back and they were going into the playoffs and again different different top eight on that Warriors team to be sure, but but the thought was then that the Warriors were developing this no brainer closing five that was so dynamic and remember they they were i i can't even remember what the nickname was but we were trying to find a nickname for this max for the group yeah yeah and 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 remember i'll never forget steve kerr being asked about it and steve kerr kind of got a little bit he got a little bit annoyed at at how people were going so crazy over that five-man lineup with pool out there with curry and and clay and and wiggins and, and draymond and it worked exceptionally well in the denver series and then as the playoffs went on, it didn't quite work as well. Right. Although we've seen Steve Kerr. I mean, he's made the point that he's going back to it. I think that lineup in the regular season, though, you can win a lot of games with because it really allows you to spread the floor. It allows lanes to attack and get inside uh, you know, baskets in addition to get open threes, and it just kind of balances everything. It gets teams to almost bait. You know, baits them into playing up tempo warrior style basketball, and so few teams can consistently play that way with the Warriors when they're kind of locked in. So in a way, it almost for I feel like that's more of a regular season move than than something that would be a finishing lineup. And we've seen that where Poole's in the starting lineup, but he isn't always in the finishing lineup. And I kind of wonder if maybe Kerr is thinking. You know, he's trying to get the best of both worlds. He's trying to not wreck his confidence by getting him out there at the beginning of the game and letting him do more of what he wants to do and play more freely then with better players. But then at the end of the game, he may not be out there at all. To me, it's you go back to that you know original death lineup, and people were comparing the lineup that you're talking about last year to the original death lineup, which was it just speaks to how the game has changed because that original death lineup 
Ligadala out there. It was a small, and the Warriors weren't the first team that ever went small, but they went small, and a lot of teams had a hard time matching up with that. Now teams, I mean, look at the, the Raptors and the team they put out there last night. Most teams are capable of doing that, and I think most teams do that from time to time. So it just speaks to how the game has changed and how some of the things that the Warriors did that gave them an advantage, other teams have caught up to them. So I, I the interesting thing, too, about what Coach said, I agree with him about DiVincenzo. And DiVincenzo playing well enough to earn minutes on the floor at the end of games, I think that's one of the things Steve Kerr is going to be keeping an eye on and, and, and making decisions on based on how DiVincenzo plays before the playoffs arrive. Because I think in a perfect world, and I've, I've already made this point, we've talked about it, DiVincenzo playing like he played last night. Steve Kerr has a lot more trust in that than he has in Jordan Poole, the way Jordan Poole has played at the end of games this year. So I think that's one of the things that Steve Kerr's figuring out here before the playoffs start. A couple of text messages to get to on the Xfinity mobile text line, 415. This goes back to earlier. Guys, glad to hear Kerr got in Steph's grill last night. Uh, now he can tell Clay to stop taking every shot. <laughs> he routinely takes the most shots each game. Pass the ball has left his vocabulary. Uh, I do think Clay has played well over the course of the last month and a half. And I think last night, we talked about it in the first segment, I viewed last night as a positive because he started off so dreadfully shooting the ball, but still by the end of the game had hung with it enough to where you looked up and his line was really good and he really made an impact on winning last night, something that hadn't happened in a lot of games where he had gotten off to to slow starts earlier in the season. But yeah, every game it feels like first quarter, Clay 10 shots, everybody else 8 shots. Yeah. <laughs> before before there's more of a rhythm is has he got as he hunted a little bit too much lately more like he did at the beginning of the year even though he overall he's playing better. I haven't noticed it as much. I'll go back and look at the numbers. It was so noticeable. Is it simply because he's making more of them? Sure. I mean, there's a there's a big difference <laughs> there, and I think he's taking better shots. When he first came back from the injury, I remember we were talking about it, and it was remarkable how many shots he was taking. I agree with you and think that's a really encouraging point, the fact that he didn't shoot well beginning of the game but then was able uh, to stabilize because you're right. I mean, there have been games where it just it just got worse and worse and worse. I'll also say this. He had eight rebounds last night, uh, and he only had the one turnover. The turnovers were interesting for the Warriors because overall they had 14 total turnovers, uh, 12 turnovers individually. But other than that third quarter when they had five, they took care of the ball pretty well, which is always something for the Warriors. you got to say, yay, they just had that bad stretch there in the third quarter, J.D., Really they, bad. They stretch. did, and they had two to start they had yeah. two to start the game yes. also. The first yes. two possessions of the game, and I'm thinking, uh oh, and then they didn't have another one until about the middle of the second quarter. It popped up in the third quarter. But I think if you've got forty assists though, Whitey, mm-hmm. you can deal with fourteen turnovers. Yep. It, yep. Especially if they're, you know, condensed to a couple of small stretches of, of a game. Yeah. Fourteen's not bad overall. It's just that it was it, they could have had fewer, and for the most part they did a much much better job of taking care of the basketball. So that's good. Again, that's another reason why I'm optimistic that they can start to stack some wins together because it seems like they are making progress in some of these key areas. 888-957-9570. The 510 asks Whitey on the Xfinity Mobile text line, if Kaminga continues to emerge, does that spell the end for Iguodala and open up his valuable roster spot? What say you, my friend? 
I think that hinges more on Iguodala's health, and I don't know how. I don't know that it really hinges that much on what uh, Kuminga does. It looks to me like Iguodala's at the end of the line, right? I mean, maybe they can work something out. He just played a little bit, and he got hurt, and it was the hip injury. I think Iguodala, I suspect that they're going to have to, that he's done anyway, regardless of uh, Kuminga, because you just can't count on a guy whose body has said, you know what, I'm out, my man, have a good night. Yeah, no, you're you're right. That's that's a great, <laughs> that's a great, yeah, that's a great call. And I think I you know I don't know. I think they do want to have Iguodala around for the playoffs just as a potential option. But but I there's something to be said for him coming back when he came back that like to just see how long he could play before he got hurt again. And it was only a couple of games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then he's been out a long uh, time. It, yeah. Yeah, eight 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 nine five seven nine five seven zero. Let's go to Joe back to the phones here on Warriors this week. Hey, Joe. Hey guys, uh, we can sing the song "Where in the World Is Iguodala," but the the thing I wanted to say about I wanted to chip in about uh, Di Vincenzo closing instead of Pool is the argument uh, JD you've been making for a calendar year and a half has been: if you want to play the young guys. Great, they'll get reps, but you have to live with their mistakes, and they're going to lose you games. And I think that that applies also to to Jordan. Uh, if this team had had is like ten games over five hundred, if they were something like thirty and ten, you know, you could afford these mistakes that he's making. But he seems to be making the repeated mistakes in the critical times at the end. I mean, every game's different. There's context and things like that. But DiVincenzo is going to play undoubtedly better defense to close out a game, and I think he's going to make smarter, safer decisions, which is basically get the ball to Steph, get the ball to you know to uh, Draymond, and I think you're going to see uh, games that were. Kerr thinks we have to win this game. We're going to seal. It. We want to close it out. DiVincenzo closing instead of Pool until he gets his uh, trust back. What do you think? I think it's spot on. I think it's spot on, Joe, and and appreciate the call. And and I'm reluctant to throw Poole into the category of the young players because he's been such a, a key cog with the veteran players and kind of the bridge. But I think I think having another option of a guard that can do a little bit of you know play differently, I I think. I think that's something that you could see Steve Kerr go to more consistently in in those types of situations. Yeah, and then Poole might struggle with that. But again, if I'm starting him now, then maybe that's maybe he'd be okay with not being in the finishing lineup yeah. as long as you. I don't know. Just this. There's point a about, pull there. There definitely yeah. seems like there's a pull there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, with Divincenzo, he's having a really good year. You know, he's shooting 39 percent from the uh, three point line which is by far here. Just let me confirm this. You look at his career numbers. He's having by far the best year. He's only a he's a 35% shooter for his career beyond the arc. Last year with Sacramento in whatever that was, 25 games, he shot 37%. 39% from him, for him this year. That is by far the best he's ever shot as a pro uh, from the three-point line. Yeah, and, and he's a little bit streaky with it. He he might have a a five for five and then uh very then confident with it seven. though right JD I mean he doesn't hesitate he's very confident with that three right now 
No, he he definitely and he he makes the right play and makes the right play quickly. And and he, and honestly, even if he makes the wrong play, he makes the wrong play quickly. Yes, it just he's just very he's very decisive in in the way that that he wants to play, which I I do think benefits uh, the the Warriors and and what they've got going on. Eight at eight nine five seven nine five seven zero. The two oh nine chiming in. Dylan Brooks and Whitey Gleason. A lot of talk, no action to back it up. <laughs> Don't compare me to him, please. Always uh, fun when uh, yeah. the the texters start coming at you, White. Oh yeah, but Dylan morning. Brooks, that one hurts. I'm probably going to hear that one again. Uh, he's a better defender than than I was, but I'd like to think I'm a little better shooter than. You know, that's the thing about Dylan Brooks. There's times he took a big shot at the end of that game, a big three. It's like, why are you shooting that? You're not a very good shooter. And he clunked it, and they, uh, you know, they went on and lost that game. Don't compare me to him, please, please. Ross in the seven oh seven writes. The Grizzlies haven't won a game since the dust-up with Shannon Sharp. This is what happens when you disrespect a champion. Go Dubs. That was an embarrassment for, all, I think, all parties. Uh, and, and, you know, I know some people with the Grizzlies were wondering if that was all a setup by Shannon Sharp to promote his show. But, yeah, the Grizzlies are too uh, ready to get involved in anything like that or any kind of war of words, and they just need to focus more on playing winning basketball and getting back to – the things that made them a, a really interesting and, and good team in the first place. They're struggling right now. Yeah, they are. And it's it's they're starting to separate as far as, you know, now a three game difference between them and Denver for the one and two. And they they still are right in the middle. They're they're three games up on the three seed. They're three games back of the first seed. So that's that's a pretty good place to be given you just took a, a five game losing streak. But but yeah, the Grizzlies are a little bit more of a flawed team, Whitey, than I think meets the eye, and it's come into play. And I know the Warriors still play them two more times, and those games are going to be in Memphis. And and the last time the Warriors played in Memphis, they got drilled in that game five before they came back and and won uh, that that series in six at at Chase Center. So it can be very different then. And you know the Grizzlies are going to be all wound up, but. One of the big takeaways for me as far as this week goes is the fact that the Warriors sent another little message that they've got something on the Grizzlies should those two teams meet again, even if it was a 7-2 first-round matchup where you know maybe the Warriors don't have the end of the year they're looking for, but they get that seven spot in a playing tournament. And then could you imagine, oh, Warriors-Grizzlies first round, mm-hmm. seven versus two. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Warriors, I mean, the, I mean, the Grizzlies would, I mean, they would say they love it, but they would probably be hating it. I know this was part of a rivalry week. The NBA has this rivalry week, which is a little forced. So they made the Grizzlies and the Warriors, you know, part of rivalry week. It's a rivalry in that the two teams really don't like each other, but it's very lopsided. I know we've talked about this because the the Grizzlies at some point have to prove they can beat them. And I know they've beaten them here or there, but in a series and meaningful games, this year the Warriors have shown we can beat you a number of ways. So right now the Warriors are, are not even on. That's not what the Grizzlies need to be worried about. I don't know that it's a rivalry until the Grizzlies can actually show they can hang with the Warriors uh, over the course of of a series and maybe actually uh, beat them. And real quick, speaking of the West again, remember when the Pelicans were on top of the West and they just can't 
get their two best players, Ingram and Zion, on the floor at the same time. They cannot do it, and they're trying to decide what kind of future they have with those two, and it's awfully hard to make that determination when you don't have them on the floor at the same time. Yeah, and it looked like it had the potential to be bright, but you're right. They haven't been able to have them out there, and they're taking on water now at 2-8 at and eight in the last 10. They've dropped six in a row, and they are 26-23 and, and 23 from a point in which they were 26-17 they were and, and, and firmly entrenched there. At worst, it seemed like they were going to be in line to be the three seed. But, yeah, they're really, really struggling now and, and not healthy. So you wonder where they wind up. Uh, you know, I, I think they were a top six team for sure. You know, I, and I don't, I don't get your take on this. You know, I, I think among – if you're looking now because we have to kind of separate it top six and then play in and then who's maybe on the outside looking in, I, I do think – you could pencil a top six if everybody's playing to their capabilities. Denver, Memphis, I think Phoenix is in that if they're at their level. I think the Warriors are in that if they're at their level. I think the Clippers are probably in that if they're at their you know, highest level. And then who would the who would the that's five who would the who would the sixth be for you? Would the sixth be Dallas? Would the sixth be the Pelicans? Six the Pelicans are probably in that top six if they're healthy and playing to their the highest level of their capabilities, wouldn't you say? Uh, yes, I would. I'm not real high on Dallas. I think they're, to their credit, they're you know 26 and 24, but they're a pretty average team this year. And you mentioned earlier Luka now as an ankle thing. We'll keep an eye on that. But the Suns and the Clippers, yeah, if they're healthy. But two just massive questions with those two teams if they're healthy, right? You just don't know. With, you know, poor Chris Paul, like we're talking about Iguodala, Chris Paul's body just, you know, every year about this time, actually usually it's a little later, it's like, okay, see you later, sorry, I'm done. And then the Pelicans, as we said, they've got their issues, and the Clippers you just don't know about Kawhi because they load, they manage his load so much. How much can he carry his load when you actually get to the games that matter? He's Whitey Gleason. I'm John Dickinson. Two hours flying by here on a Saturday morning. We'll head on into the afternoon as uh, the final hour coming up here, 888-957-9570. More phone calls, more text messages. Uh, we'll get back into the, the conversation surrounding Bob Myers and the potential for his departure. What do the Warriors do at the trade deadline? And we asked the question right off the top of the show, are the Warriors starting to figure out what their eight- or nine-man playoff rotation will look like? Does that change what the Warriors have to do at the trade deadline. We'll get into all of that as uh, Warriors this week rolls on right here on 95.7 The Game. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 